0: Mr. Derek Vienhoff. Who's better known as Deke?
1: (gasps) Drinking liquor with DJ Deke. We out laughing. (laughs) Yo, (laughs) Deke. Okay, check, check, check. DJ Dicotello here again, guys. Episode 71. Um, I'm here with the Fitzgerald co-chairs of the Fitzgerald Neighbors Group, Suzanne and Caleb. And welcome, welcome to the thank show. You.
0: Thank you, thank you. Um,
1: we've been trying to play this for like a while, a couple <laughs> months or so, we finally got here. Um, so the Fitzgerald group, let's, why don't we actually start with, yeah, I'll just sort of explain. The Fitzgerald group, it's a, it's a community group. Um, yeah, Neighborhood yeah. Association. Neighborhood Association, <laughs> okay, that's the technical title. And um, why don't we, why don't you explain to us what it is? Yeah, we can do that. Mm-hmm. we strokes, maybe, to start.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, we're a neighborhood association, as you say, technical t- yep. term. Mm-hmm. So we're a group of neighbors that have come together. And our main kind of idea to start was just to get to know our neighbors. So in kind of today's society, so to speak, there's few and far between um, opportunities for us to get to know our neighbors in a, um, in a natural situation, right? So uh, service clubs religious organizations, um, opportunities for people just to kind of rub shoulders outside of the workplace. There's not a lot of those opportunities to do that. And uh, so a neighborhood association is something that we uh, kind of had gotten to know. And Caleb can give some of the background of where kind of he was inspired by. Um, But an opportunity for people just to get to know each other, be neighbors, um, build relationship, have an opportunity to know what's going on in their neighborhood and what's going on in their community. And be able to have a collective voice um, and be able to kind of engage in the narrative as to kind of who we are, yeah. what our neighborhood's about, mm-hmm. and what we can do as neighbors to um, really make our neighborhood the best that it can be. Now,
1: should we maybe explain to St. Catharines listeners the boundaries of what is the Fitzgerald neighborhood? Yeah, sure. It's um, You and my family with streets. It's Fitzgerald's kind of like Midtown, so it's uh, Lake,
2: Welland, Carlton, and then it actually is kind of like a pizza slice It goes all the way out to... Uh, well, past Niagara. Mm-hmm. So it's a little oh, community past Niagara. We kind of, uh, as a group, like that's kind of large for a neighbor association. I kind of say that neighbor associations are as far as you can walk. Mm-hmm. So at first we were we were just uh, Lake, Geneva, Well, and Carlton. There's a little block there with kind of a collegiate in the middle. Yeah. We had some neighbors, though, on the other side of Geneva wanting to join. And I always kind of said, you know, like... Like like you're free to come come out to meetings, you know. I just can't walk that far. But if, you know, <laughs> if there's enough if there's enough interest, enough neighbors over there, then for sure we can service that area. Like it's just a matter of having neighbors to help head out flyers and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. yeah. So so it kind of has extended all the way. It's grown, right yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, um, yeah.
2: But
1: that was the original thing. So but, you guys actually set the boundaries of it when you created it. Is that true, or is that was it an existing sort of neighborhood?
2: Yeah. Well, we went on. I went on Wikipedia, and so there aren't a lot of like. There was a, a Wikipedia page about st- neighborhoods in St. Catharines, yeah. um, and basically it's like the north end, it's an entire neighborhood, which isn't true, but that's kind of what the map sure, was telling me, yeah. and then I had a few smaller ones closer to downtown, and this was just one that was there, so I just yeah. kind of used cool. it.
0: When we talk to people, people are always like, how did you come up with the name Fitzgerald? And uh, yeah, it just was like, well, Wikipedia told us actually, <laughs> yeah. and so it often... Um, The kind of larger neighborhood is Shipman's, uh, has been kind of named, and that's both Fitzgerald as well as the Hag neighborhood. So, again, as Caleb said, just for the sake of um, being able to remain kind of a community and a neighborhood, uh, like Shipman is just way too big, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, and yeah, so we're really excited. Hag Neighbors has kind of started another. uh, There's others too,
2: there's a few others. Queenston, Mm -hmm. Uh, Ryderville, Queenston. Ryderville is uh, by Diner, Diner has 29 right behind yeah. that area. It's okay. Smaller. It's a pretty small neighborhood. Um, and then Port Dalhousie has a beautification committee, which is similar to a neighbor association. Mm-hmm. Walker's Creek is a kind of a historical group of neighbors who do work around Walker's Creek. And then um, Port Waller, they have a newsletter. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're an interesting group.
0: But Glenridge. I mean,
1: Glenridge, right? Old Glenridge. Glen
0: Glenridge as well. Uh, Yates neighborhood. Yeah. Um, they have a, a form of a neighborhood association. Right. Are a lot
1: of them happening have, have more recently? Or, like is it sort of a snowball effect that's taken a, lot a bit of yeah. a bit like i think the
2: the more historic neighborhoods um neighborhood associations they're doing something a little bit different than we are mm-hmm. but s- similar yep. right like
0: yeah there I has mean, been quite a few that have started over the last yeah. Yeah, so we um our first kind of event was back in 2017
2: uh 2017 or 2016 yeah i can't
0: remember. And. And so since that, like within the last three years, there have been a number that have started. Um, yeah, Queenston,
2: Ryderville, Hague. There's all three new, newer ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's also Wood Wood, Wood
0: Yeah, Woodruff Estates. So they, so they yeah. started as well. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And so let's maybe What is the, um, the so there's a treasury where you raise money and you use that to to fund different initiatives in the in the neighborhood. Like you, we've got an ice rink thing going yeah. on is that still yeah yeah that's, that's happening cool. okay. <laughs> um you do these trivia nights and there's merch and stuff like that so have the garage sale mm-hmm. and then and some of them are more so not even sanctioned things but whoever is sort of a member and wants to come up with something right like yeah we did club like started like that yeah there's mm-hmm. a
2: running club i do sometimes i do a uh, porch party and sing-along mm-hmm. so we project words of songs on the side of our neighbor's house oh, cool. and just yeah. kind of party <laughs> on the street that's yeah it's
0: fun um so uh, one of our neighbors did a plant swap yeah. uh this fall so that was great so kind of our kind of rule so to speak yeah. has been if you have an idea just run, just with, run it. with it yeah, all ideas and are welcome all sure. ideas are welcome and yeah. so it doesn't need to be a fits neighbors event um but we will promote it you know we'll yeah. use that as a, a platform to be able to share that and to kind of spread the word and and kind of continue to you know gain um traction with that and so we're really we have no desire to be kind of you know have to own everything you know by yeah. any means yeah. um and that's part of it right is that we want yeah. people to be able to have that creativity come up with cool ideas mm-hmm. and do things for their neighborhood because they really just want to and they're inspired yeah. to do so right
1: now at what point does it um become sort of activism or, or political and how is that a component of it because yeah. a lot of it's just fun events and, and meeting your neighbors but then there are also things issues that we have in the community that we want to raise to to mm-hmm. our local representatives is have we have do the representatives see the neighborhood groups and, and sort of yeah. interact with them on that level? Yeah, I've
2: thought about that a lot recently, um, just dealing with different neighborhood associations who think of it a little bit differently than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, we've taken very few kind of, like, political stands as a group. The one Correct. the one that we did kind of engage more um, intentionally with was the portables in the, in the park. We can talk about the park later. But sure. uh, in terms of, like, being political... Um, I don't see the role of neighbor association so much as representing uh, neighbors. I think that's the that's the our counselor's job so right. that's that's carrie and, and Matt. um I see more um, the neighbor association as reflecting the neighbors and we can do that. we do that in two ways. the one way is um, we provide a platform for the councilors and the city to understand the neighborhood better through our resident group, right so right. at each yeah. event that we have, we always try to kind of connect the event with uh, either like a survey or engaging neighbors on topics that uh, you know are of interest to them, but also an interest to the city. So like how do we share the park, for example, with mm-hmm. the school? Um, how do we encourage people to use this park space more? Because we're paying f- for upkeep, so why don't, why don't we find a way to um, bring more people into the park? So the ice rink is, is one of those examples. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the one way that it's, it's more political than it looks on the surface. The other way is like kind of the flip side of that, where um, I think like you c- as, as residents, we vote for a counselor. Right. And that's one way we act politically. Um, but a lot of work happens between elections. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of missed opportunity often um, for residents to be involved in, in that work. And one of the reasons why we miss that opportunity is because residents aren't, aren't educated, um, they're not engaged. It's very difficult, I think, for, you know, a city that's maybe strapped for cash or, you know, counselors who have a giant uh, ward to, to deal with to, uh, you know, continually be engaged with residents, right. right? Often it's only the residents that complain that they hear from. Exactly. Um, right. so, so, so yeah, so, like, I, I really hope that we can kind of also be a platform not only for the city to hear from the residents but also from residents to learn about what the city is doing from city employees mm-hmm. but and and our and our counselors count so, like Carrie's been out Matt's been out Carrie in the last meeting she shared why she voted a certain way on uh, something that came before counselor sure. council and so that was really great because we were mm-hmm. able to understand her thought process you we understand the issue a little bit better the issue was uh, the the um, the tax rebate that that, in that Port was, yeah, in yeah. Port for oh, yes. cotton Dalhousie
1: um, actually, would you want to expand on that a bit? Or do you, I don't know a lot about it, but is that uh, do you? I could you give us the cliff notes of, of that? Like, or I you, only it, know
2: about it from what Carrie shared at our meeting. I do, like, yeah.
1: Because I know it's a contentious thing, and, and it, it is. is. It's, yeah, yeah. it's an interesting debate as to how that's all going down, but uh, yeah.
2: If, you know, if we have anything like that in the fifths, then we'll obviously be more engaged. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. More, yeah, we'll
1: know all the details around it and such, yeah.
2: But yeah, like for anyone who's interested in something contentious like that, um, it's great to come out to a neighborhood meeting because, you know, you have access to a counselor then and you can ask them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that know. Like, it's their job to know, right?
1: So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just it makes sense to have a sort of grassroots group of people and it's it's not like a closed club like it's literally it's the opposite like everybody absolutely if you're in the confines Mm -hmm. of the (laughs) Mm -hmm. more or less um.
0: yeah and i think part of it too is our role as a neighborhood association is we because we are bringing neighbors together there's an opportunity for that engagement and for we want to be a resource for our for the city Mm -hmm. for our counselors to be able to engage with our neighbors and with uh, with the residents in a really um yeah and in in a non-confrontational way um, no the city forks. yeah and and the city also too, you know public Proactive, meetings reactive, are yeah. public meetings are difficult for this any for city and St. St. Catherine is no different mm-hmm. um, there's not a lot of uptake from you know if the city was to hold a public meeting about an issue so I think about um, so on Russell Ave we have a new cond- condos that are almost kind of getting completed mm, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long 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 process um but i remember we had just kind of just began as a neighborhood association or yeah it was actually just caleb and i we were <laughs> meeting in our living rooms and um and there was a public meeting at city hall uh, around that condo and about you know an opportunity for residents to voice their concerns or their thoughts or what have you And I went to this meeting, and there was two. I think there's three of us that were there. Oh, really? um, At this meeting, (laughs) Mm. and it was a pretty contentious issue too. You know, it's Mm. a brand new kind of this. Pretty tall. Yeah, pretty tall. High high density here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, So I'm I'm their neighbor.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hear them working all the time. Well, Sometimes.
0: And so there was a. Yeah. And there were were neighbors there that lived on Kernahan that lived Mm -hmm. you know on the neighboring streets, and you know they were expressing their concern. But it was just as Caleb said. You know, those who were complaining were there. I came to just to listen, to be able to understand. I t- didn't know the issue too well. And I think it just was, it, to me, it kind of was one example of how, okay, there's better ways and other ways that we can be engaging the community on, on issues. And not that we as an association are taking a stand on it, but providing a platform for neighbors to to. Share to um, f- for the city to be able to engage with us, mm-hmm. um, for opinions to be heard that are both positive and and possibly challenging, mm-hmm. and for us to be yeah. able to kind of give that opportunity. And we want again through the surveying that we've been doing, and um, through again just even those. What appear to be just social events—it's an opportunity for people to actually, you know, to share those ideas, to yeah. share those opinions, mm-hmm. and it's always amazing to me of how, yeah, these different topics come up um, in just informal conversation, exactly. and that's yeah. an opportunity for and people to kind of share that, right?
2: Council meetings, like, I've been to a few now, like they're pretty inaccessible, right? Like mm-hmm. they happen twice a month, okay. uh, over dinner time, I think six o'clock, and they sometimes they can go like forever, and you can show up, and the the, the issue that you want you want to hear council talk about. Gets pushed back because you have to talk about something that's happening in Port Luzzi and you know you have like a ton, ton of, right. ton of uh, delegates. So the great thing about a neighborhood association is we all hold something in common, right? Even though we can be very different, like you can be a Trumper, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, not really Trumper guys, <laughs> just finding funny. Sort of.
0: <laughs> and then, you know, you
2: can have a socialist and a Marxist, but, like, they, they live all in the same neighborhood, mm-hmm. so they hold something in common, and there's reason for them to come and dialogue, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's... It, it, it does... Uh, it is something that we always have to be aware of and, and work on, but I think that, like, the neighborhood association can be a, a place that's more accessible for a, a greater number of people, yeah. uh, depending on their, like, uh, you know, their age, um, their race, their... Uh, socioeconomic status yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and so it's just and that's what we try to do with our events too like we try to plan events that kind of engage kind of are are attractive to all the all the different uh all the diversity that we have in this neighborhood which i think is just is a strength Mm -hmm, for sure mm -hmm. yeah
1: it does seem like uh the perfect sort of uh, thing to hammer out ideas that are that that we're like minded on or, or filter ideas through so that when they do go to the counselor's you can just have those two or three very important ones rather than a bunch of people raising their hands. Yeah, even smaller for, things and, yeah and even
2: for the people who complain like you'd be amazed at how fast those people will stop complaining when you know they hear from someone different than themselves like so if you're like you're like me and able-bodied and it's you know I don't know what the issue would be uh when you hear from someone from someone who's retired or someone who's elderly, you hear about their challenges and how they engage in the neighborhood. You're like, "Oh, okay, it makes sense that you know the city needs to be designed that way because you have these needs that I just I don't I don't I even see them, right? Them. I don't even th- I don't even think <laughs> about them." And uh, so it's great when when you get in a room, um, you, the, the people who are complaining will often be confronted with people who are different than them and realize that oh, maybe what they're complaining about isn't that big of a deal after all, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe that it's a good thing that
1: that's there. Like, yeah. Can I dive into each of your maybe like backgrounds and how they led you to this path or like what what strengths you you bring to the table kind of thing? Caleb, do you want to start or?
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I have three kids, so uh, that's something that, um, you know, affects how I think about things. I was amazed when I, with, for our first, I was the primary caregiver so I was just amazed at how that kind of changed how I thought about the world, like just pushing a stor- stroller down the street. It's like, oh, wow, there's some challenges I did not think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my education, I was educated, I have a degree in political science and a master's degree in political and social philosophy. Um, and, did you uh, go to
1: Brock over that or no, abroad?
2: No, I went, um, yeah, I, went to, I, I studied in Toronto oh, okay. and uh, yeah, and I work at a church cool yeah do pastoral work at a church
1: cool downtown. so they're all sort of community related things already yeah. so that yeah, just yeah. kind of makes sense yeah yeah so what about you
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i uh, also have two children and uh they also have informed my view on life absolutely <laughs> Uh, professionally, I've been in community development work for the past decade. Um, so I have a degree in sociology and then postgrad in public relations. And from that, I went, dove right into the not-for-profit sector. So um, that's always been kind of my passion to be within that sector. And, uh, and so I was able to, right out of college, actually was able to get a job doing community development here locally in St. Catharines. And so that was really, I kind of... I, I didn't actually have a ton of experience doing community development in an official capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, I had always been kind of a volunteer and had kind of engaged in that kind of world. Um, but now to be a a paid professional doing Mm -hmm. community development was a Mm -hmm. new thing for me a decade ago. Um, but it really just ignited a passion for me as to how do we engage community? How do we, um, start to look at community in a different way Um, and through that experience i was kind of exposed to what's called asset-based community development Um, so i don't need to get too technical about what that is but it really has informed my way of approaching community where we look at what are some of the strengths of a community what are the things that make this community strong and how do we use those strengths Mm -hmm. and those assets to address the opportunities so, it's not turning a blind eye to the challenges within a community, um, but being able to kind of flip it as opposed to going from a reactive, um, complaint based sure. kind of approach Looking to at your community all the or Yeah. Just, These things are bad. How do we start to kind of say, okay, what are the things that are really awesome about this community? What are is. the assets of this community? Who are the people in this community and what did they bring to the mm-hmm. table? And how do we utilize those assets to really be able to yeah. address some of those opportunities and those challenges? So yeah, a decade ago, that's kind of what I was first kind of exposed to. And that really has set kind of the course for me as um, just in a way to approach really life in general Mm -hmm. as to being able to look at where how can we come from a place of strength um and so yeah so my career kind of navigated in various different ways Mm -hmm. and uh various different organizations and um yeah has taken the idea of community development or the professional role of community development um has kind of shifted and evolved over time and um Right now, I work for the Niagara Community Foundation. Um, so we're a philanthropic organization that is kind of the charities of charities. Um, so we are one of the funders within Niagara. And I do community development in kind of, yeah, a different kind of twist to community development within that work. Um,
2: yeah, and I should say, Su- Suzanne and I worked together to start Queens Neighbors mm-hmm. in the Queenston Neighborhood. Yeah. So. Okay, so, so yes.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, so that originally started, again, within kind of the... Um, hat that I was wearing at the time, and uh, it was part of my role, my my job, to kind of be able to do some of that community activism mm-hmm. um, and facilitation, really, to bring different community stakeholders together around community. And so, yeah, I roped Caleb in right away as he was working within Queenston and had kind of a good pulse as to what was happening cool, yeah. in the neighborhood. And I was like, okay, you need to be in on this. And uh, so then, yeah, he was able to kind of. So we were able to kind of bring that initial table together. Um, uh, yeah. And so that happened, kind of actually, yeah, shortly after we had started the fits. Um, yeah, Queenstown and that's kind
2: that's how kind of how Brandon came into the picture too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Brandon Agnew, who is going to be joining us tonight, but uh, he's at home. He can be he can the next one, perhaps. <clears throat> Brandon, <clears throat> shout yeah. out. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, he works for public health, and um, yeah, he came on board with Queenstown neighbors at some point. Yeah, same the, type of
0: thing. I was looking for various different people to help, and uh, his name was suggested, and I pulled him in.
2: Yeah, the cool thing about about I think his position at the at the region is that a lot of municipalities are, are recognizing that um, social connectedness actually contributes a lot to the health and well-being of, of communities and people in those communities. Makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And it actually is like you can actually put a dollar figure on it, so it makes sense to hire the region right now. I think has three three positions that Brandon the type of position that Brandon's in, and they, primarily Brandon anyways works in um, creating like social capital within uh, regional housing communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but Queenson was and, – and different neighborhoods, I think. Mm-hmm. Queenson was one of the neighborhoods that, you know, he kind of got the thumbs up to work, yeah. work in and with us. Mm. Um, so, yeah, like it – financially it makes sense, I think, to, to uh, create, you know, neighborhood associations or create opportunities for people to for connect sure. socially. So yeah. it deals with, you know, mental health, social isolation. And, like, you know, not that everything has to be about money, but you can save money because it just – people are healthier when they know mm-hmm. one another. Well,
1: a good, well I guess – you know in a way everything is about money and it's not just a bad thing i mean like a, a healthy economically yeah. running city or state or country is healthy it's yeah. you know it's good for people to have yeah. a, a healthy economy um, yeah. speaking of specific issues what, what are some of the glaring issues um, in in our area or in the city abroad like what that um, that these groups or people that are involved in the groups can sort of directly involved getting involved in the conversation like what would you say are the are the ones that
2: pop up the most i've been amazed at like how different they are and how many different issues each community Mm -hmm. even though they're so small the neighborhoods they all seem to have like their own things that their um their own challenges and their own assets that Mm -hmm. that they're they're dealing with like fitzgerald actually is one community that has i would say like way more assets than things that are challenges for sure what Um,
1: would
2: be an example of an asset maybe um we're that di- we're 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 very diverse in terms of age, I think. So we've lots of young families. So Fitzgerald was a community that prices stayed relatively low over the last, you know, few years when prices in St. Catharines are skyrocketing. Yeah. But it was also a community where you had a lot of retirees. So, you know, I moved to here about five years ago and my street, you know, we were the only family with young kids and by the time you know we we just moved around the corner but by the time we, we made that move you know half the half the homes were young families i think it's really healthy for a neighborhood to have like young people and 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 old people and um yeah have them be able to interact and have the have the community be able to um support them and the reason if the fits is able to do that is because it's very walka- walkable walkable yeah. there's the high school there's mm-hmm. the elementary school mm-hmm. uh, you can walk to downtown you can walk to the grocery store and uh other communities like queenston doesn't have that like in queenston like you have um a ton of high concentration of social services um you have you don't have a bank you don't have a hospital right you have the cannot school which is great that's Mm -hmm. a huge asset in that community um but so yeah so 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 they're missing some of those assets Mm -hmm. and they're missing some Mm -hmm. of the some of the things that um that we're we're lucky enough to have here Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I always—it's th- just a problem that I have. But I always think of every issue like a video game. So it right, just right. <laughs> makes me think of like those Sim Cities. Or, yeah, yeah, like, totally. That's yeah. kind of what it the is. The hospital that's coming down right now,
2: you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so they're, they're 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 recovering from that too, right? Like their 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 story is, each each neighborhood story is yeah, actually really unique. complex and interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like. Uh, actually, it reminds me of Brock Street in Port Daluzi. I don't know if you know the mm-hmm. street. Like I, I lived there when I was a little kid. And my dad was a volunteer firefighter at that fire hall. And then, like my right. uncle lived in the apartment building and like my the babysitter lived across the street yeah. and there's a library there. Like I would go two doors down and get a book, Yeah, and we'd walk to the street, library all the time. It was like a mini neighborhood. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's like those mats that you play with the car the, the, the Hot Wheels cars on. Yeah. Like, it it has everything at <laughs> the school, the church. Yeah, yeah. But right. that's a good point that a lot of neighborhoods are a little little more isolated off the beaten path or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, due to different reasons, right? Like city yeah. planning, or history, or, or yeah. the way the roads are because of the the, the the creeks or whatever. There's probably so many reasons why there. Yeah, these different problems arise.
2: Yeah, or you know the old rail trails, like we have here. Yeah. We have the Terry Fox Trail that used right. to be a railroad, and I uh, know in the north end they have that really great path that runs like almost from the south to the north. that mm. used to be a, a rail.
1: Like the dirt path thing. Yeah, or? I don't know yep. what it's called, but yeah, I, like I kind f- of like with those little creeks. Yeah, Sorry.
2: well, there's yeah. that Walker's Creek, but I don't know. There's another. It goes beside. Holy Cross, and Not uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, no, I know that one.
1: That was an old, railroad. I think so, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, I know that one. Um, interesting.
0: Yeah, so the people definitely, I would say, are our greatest asset, and I think this goes yeah for really any neighborhood are the people in the community, and so the diversity uh, uh, that Caleb was speaking of um, is really, really a big piece of that, and. The neighborhood shifted it has shifted in the last five years like you were saying like with the the influx of new families and younger mm-hmm. families coming in um but also people from various different parts of the region from toronto um yeah, right. have come into the right. neighborhood as well so that brings kind of a new perspective um new you know new energy as well yeah, and new, ideas. Like, new I've been, ideas i've been amazed you know? at the uh yeah so lots of people have you know they've come we <laughs> we got a message on um on instagram mm-hmm. from a person from toronto saying i found out about you guys Correct. and i am really in- involved in my neighborhood association here in toronto i was looking for something when I- i'm moving into saint catherine's and i was looking for something that i could get plugged in with where like i want to live in the fits <laughs> because <laughs> i've heard about you guys really? yeah and uh she's like tell me about their neighborhood you know i want to know about the schools i want to know about this da, 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 da. and i want to be involved when i get here and it just to me it just is like first of all i was totally amazed that she found us (laughs) but it also spoke to again that's new energy um but also experience that you know she's coming with from being engaged in these different communities and these different neighborhoods um you know we just got a new volunteer who seems to be super keen uh jesse hi jesse shout out to jesse (laughs) and uh he's coming from fort erie and uh, he and his partner moved to the fifths and has just like Again, he has this new perspective um, on the on the community, on what makes na- mm-hmm. the neighborhood great, mm-hmm. and I really value that. And I think that that um, diversity of perspective and uh, life experience is really what makes mm-hmm. this community really strong, yeah. um, and what gives it some really great um, momentum and potential yeah. in moving forward. Right?
2: Yeah, and I mean, you ask about challenges. Like, there's a challenge in what Sue said as well, and yeah. that challenge is you know gentrification. Yeah, So right. I that's mean, huge. since we've been here, you know, housing prices have gone crazy in this neighborhood as well. And I think that's going to be a challenge moving forward. Just how do you, like, I don't, a friend of mine said this about her neighborhood in Hamilton, but like, I don't want to do all this work just so, you know, someone a lot wealthier than my Some family can benefit. Just, yeah. Right. Like I want my neighborhood to be a neighborhood where my kids can purchase a home in or at least rent a home in in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like housing in Hamilton, anyway, has gone up, has gone up seventy thousand dollars every single year for the last five years. Unless I, I can't even imagine, you know, like my kids being able to to rent or buy if they if that happens here in Fitzgerald. Yeah. So, yeah, I think like I hope that we can, you know, explore that issue as neighbors yeah. first, understand why this is happening, and then begin to. Um, Look at other neighborhoods how, or other neighborhoods across Ontario how they've dealt with it, um, and then be able to import some of those solutions here. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about. There's a few that that have come across. The, kind of the the group. Uh, there's a few things that I don't know. We're, we're,
1: yes, yeah, a few things we're working on right now. Mm-hmm. I had a question about that actually. Yeah. Would you say that like um, this podcast is for really dumb questions? Everybody. do Sometimes I have to ask them because I feel like you get the best answers when you ask dumb questions. Is the rising prices of housing? in general a different issue from affordable housing like do, do they have is there a different connotation there or would you say that just the, you don't try to say like the, the there's general... a lot of
0: connectedness between the two i would say for sure because as the market prices rise up mm-hmm. then the affordability just naturally becomes less right mm. so houses one of the things that we noticed and again that opportunity or that asset that i was talking about is also definitely a huge challenge we're having we had a big influx of Toronto buyers coming in and they're buying really affordable houses, um, and either flipping well,
2: them. Well, I mean, the housing in, in Toronto's crazy, right? So, like, when they see the prices here, yeah. Just, my wife works in Toronto, yeah. And when she's like, she, when she tells them what we bought our house for, they're like, "That's crazy! I'd pay twice that for oh, what you have, right?" Three of them. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, especially if they're and, selling a house in Toronto, and moving here, sure. it's like, yeah, we can spend, you know, twice what the houses are going for.
0: So the houses, so so it's the change of market, right? Because then what is kind of easier for a first time? Fitzgerald used to be a really easily. Um, accessible neighborhood for first time home buyers, right? Yeah. So they were wanting to get into the market, they were able to buy something that was, you know, decent but was still affordable. And I th- think that that's starting to shift slowly, um, where it's becoming less less so because the values of houses have gone up. Sure. So what's happening then is that then those first time home buyers aren't able to f- afford to purchase homes. Yeah. And so they're looking, um, so then they're renting, but the right rent prices now are also increasing simultaneously yeah, right yeah. Um, because people are saying realizing that the demand is so huge that they're able to increase those rent prices sure, sure. Uh, you know in yeah. significant ways so then that puts a huge strain on the rental market and so now we're at you know full full capacity for rentals um, and so then we don't have that affordable housing piece right. um, and so that's definitely a shift and it, there, it is a conversation because the other thing that's been happening and this is not unique to the 5th neighborhood at all. Um, But also, too, just in regards to the the demand for rental units, um, there's also, and this is a whole contentious issue, but um, in regards to kind of Airbnbs and, you know... I just did the survey. Yeah. Uh, The survey? There's a survey. It's the same kind of survey on the... Right. So, right, so there's kind of the... um, i don't know what a generic term is for those types of rentals, oh, Temporary short rental? term rentals. Tempor- yeah short-term, yeah, short-term yeah, rentals yeah. um it's becoming a really big thing oh, right yeah. and yeah. so we're seeing a, we're seeing a number of them pop up in in our community mm-hmm. um and in our neighborhood um and they're awesome they're yeah. cool they're hip they're you know they're trendy they look awesome and they are providing an income source um for these homeowners which is fantastic yeah. and so but it also it is though it's not um, it's not an easy conversation, right? Because yeah. then what were rental units um, now are becoming the short-term um, uh, rental right. situations, right. It's and form. so that can yeah. be it can it can really put again another kind of strain on a really difficult uh, situation. Yeah, right?
2: and some of the some of the uh, things that kind of have come across uh, in conversations at the group and in in regards to how to address affordable housing from a neighborhood perspective.
1: Well, sorry, Hello. folks. Technical difficulties. We're all good. <laughs> Go on.
2: Yeah. So, so the one is like just taking a look at some of the policies that the city has um, that can l- inadvertently limit, um, I not infill, but just kind of like people making apartments in their place. So one of the one of the one of the things is you're if you don't have um, enough a, a parking spot for every unit in your building, then you can't have a um, a legal unit. Right. Right. Um well, so they, like
1: they would be taking parking from on the street homeowners that could mm-hmm. otherwise use that. Right, I or, mean or, with the rental,
2: they they're, they're still they're renting a place so I think they have equal right. right to that rental spot just as much as a homeowner would, right? So Yeah, I mean I I I don't I don't really know the justification for it. I think actually it has more to do with um you know people not liking the look of of cars parked in front lawns like hmm. in the north end. Because um, that's what would happen is you'd kind of pay over your front grass and you'd just add parking in front of your house, um, and that's that's not allowed right. either, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so if you have parking, if you, you get a variance uh, from the city and you can put parking in front of your house, but parking actually has to be beside your house if you want parking on your property, and so like just like interesting little things little like little that that you can that adjust happen. to yeah. encourage right. uh, like basement apartments or encourage a duplex, encourage uh, density in midtown. And our neighborhood, like the thing that. I hope we can work on in the future is just educating neighbors on why our neighborhood is a great place for higher density. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it's because of a lot, a lot of our assets it's because you can walk. It's because you don't need two or three cars because you know, like someone can stay home with the kids and you can walk and right, get groceries. Right, right, right. right. Um, or, you know, it's even for people who have, uh, accessibility issues. Right. That's why I think it's great for kids and, and the elderly here because they can walk and they don't need, to always have a driver's license and be able to be independent still live independently mm-hmm. in Fitzgerald. Um, yeah. So I think and th- one of the other, uh, things that I was thinking of when Sue was talking is, uh, land trusts. Mm-hmm. So in Hamilton there was a neighborhood mm-hmm. association that created a land trust. So basically, um, yeah, they're kind of a group that whenever there's, there's, there's land that comes up in their neighborhood or in the the area which they work, um, they're able to kind of apply to the city and try to try to take even a small chunk and make it, Uh, affordable housing um so there's a lot of like small pieces of land in -hmm. our neighborhood but Queenston especially that uh that's kind of doing nothing for the city so it's not Mm -hmm. bringing in any taxes it's just kind of sitting there idle and like why not find a
1: way to put affordable housing on Mm -hmm. that and that's kind of what the land trust works on so uh, so this would be so like we just had this with the building downtown where they're going to turn that into affordable housing that's right so what it would be is um a government-owned Facility, facility. No, so the land
2: trust. It I would actually own it. It's not for profit, and so oh. the, the the government would basically say, okay, like this is the not for profit. This is what they do. Like they they they'll I guess fundraise, and they work with the government to get the land
1: for very cheap, right? But so they're able to put. So $4, the $4. rent goes to that, or how does the rent? Uh, there's various the different models. Checks. Yeah, there's, there's different, different models of how they okay, would do okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah But the, it just, you, Do you it's, know with the one downtown, how that's supposed to work? Or that details are you not know, actually. I'm I not sure. That. I don't yeah. think
0: it's gone out for tender actually even to, to purchase yet. Oh, okay. It's just been, they've just designated that as it. to what, yeah, as what it, that yeah, will need they, to be. They, if they do sell it, it has to be. Yeah, so when it's sold, it needs to be sold for this purpose. So yeah, that will be a specific model. And there's many, many different models. But just the idea that in regards to the neighborhood association is being able to advocate on behalf of the neighborhood of saying how do we remain remain accessible in a variety of different ways and one being housing affordability and so how do we make sure that again that our neighborhood remains diverse in regards to those who live here and so we we do see that rental um, properties and affordable housing is an asset to our community and that diversity is an important way to Mm -hmm. maintain the health of our community and so are there is there land that can we can advocate for Um, and again the model is not fully wouldn't be isn't developed specifically here, um, but as to ha- that we can advocate saying, can this be designated for affordable housing? Can we ensure that affordable ha- there is a percentage of our housing in our community that remains affordable, um, and so that that kind of that infill and though that high density that's um, coming um, into our community can. We're engaged in that conversation. Mm -hmm. And so even going back to that initial, that example that I gave about Russell Lab and the condos there, right? So we're not, we weren't engaged in that conversation. The neighborhood wasn't really, didn't engage per se in in that decision making process at all. Mm -hmm. And so if we have another situation like that, where they're you know they're taking houses down and wanting to do that kind of hi- more infill kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Can we engage in that conversation and saying, okay, this is we are all for that infill. We think there's that's but this could great... it be
1: more affordable. But wh-
0: or, how yeah. what is going to go in there? What right. kind of housing is going to go in there? And can we make sure that um, that equation, so to speak, of our looking at that full picture of our community yeah. uh, is mm-hmm. keeping into consideration, right? And
2: you almost have to get the ball rolling even before that stage that's right. where you have to you have to. Think about, like, how in the past have we encouraged, say, co-op, co-ops op co to exist, right? Like, there's a lot of co-ops in St. Catharines, but they were all built early 90s or before, right? And they're actually all coming up. They're going to need renovations. They're going to need a ton of investment to, to keep running. And we need more. Right, so how do we create policy where we encourage instead of you know someone coming in and and building high end condos, which you know is fine, right. but like how do we create the policy where it's it's attractive to someone a co op group, a group of residents who you know are passionate about this neighborhood and want to see it remain affordable? How do we how do we cre- create how do we make it appealing for them to go and do a project like this, like a co op mm-hmm. co op right. housing situation, right? Because um, I think that would be super neat in this neighborhood. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and there are groups like the churches, uh, Lutheran Manor, right? They have kind of affordable housing for seniors. There or senior senior housing, okay. um, and they would have built that, you know, a number of years ago. But how do we encourage them to continue building, right? Or the, the Anglican yeah. Church? I know they there's interest in them building um, affordable housing. So how do we how do we say like first educate neighbors? Say hey neighbors, like. This is probably a good idea. Like, there's lots of reasons why you might want this. So they get on board. And then, how do we get the government to, to create yeah, policy is, yeah. where it's like, yeah, you should do this? And, like, here's how here's you can make it how, here's economically how we can viable make it. or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, yeah I, I want my kids to live here. Yeah, right? for sure.
0: And I think going off of that, and um, one of, again, going back to kind of what is the role of a neighborhood association. Uh, and the kind of the model that we have adopted and what um, some of the other the newer um, neighborhood associations that have come since uh, in the last couple of years has been that we want to be more proactive than reactive. Mm-hmm. So are we don't really we haven't um, come around a specific cause, right? Something that's really contentious in our neighborhood that we have kind of that was our rallying cry to right, bring us together. Right. Um, that's never been kind of what has brought us unified us at all and the idea with that or it's intentional in that we want to be able to build a foundation of of community and relationship um, so that we can create um, plans be more of a proactive, take a proactive approach to sure. what is yeah. for Ask, the health of our know, community. What do we
2: want to see? What do we want our vision? What do we want the community to look like in five, ten years? Yeah. Like, and, do we want to have super expensive homes, or do we want to have homes that are affordable
1: for everybody? Yeah. And right? you start start that work early, so yeah, that's you right. Can sort of. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that when because yeah, if you're not if you haven't kind of done that groundwork, um, yeah, obviously there's lots of neighborhood. Groups who have come together around a really contentious issue, and it brings you know builds momentum and it, and there's um, yeah, you can work with that and you can work with that absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then when the issue is gone and the issue is done, then it c- can be hard for that neighborhood group to continue, right? right to continue to say, okay, now what's next? Yes. What's the next you know big bad ugly thing that we want for to sure, tackle? Sure. Um, but instead, so we're kind of taking that up. we have taken that uh, a different approach of being able to say. We want to be prepared and we want to be able to have a bit of a foundation so that when that thing comes Mm -hmm. or when that issue arises that we already kind of have Uh, worked on building some of that uh relationship
2: an example of that is catherine street park Mm -hmm. so like the history of that park you know um the area where there's a soccer field and the school uses the soccer field that used to be that and the dog park i think used to be industrial and said so, I used to run through those factory yeah. fields when it there was
1: when they fenced it all off, but then the, they let it all overgrow. We would play in those fields. Oh, and really? They yeah. called them the DDT fields. <laughs> there you go. Whatever. And we were like, maybe we shouldn't have been running through that <laughs> yeah, field no, because not. there was <laughs> barrels of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And,
2: like, but when it came down, right, you actually had a few, a few different instances where you had neighbors come together and say, "Hey, we, like we want to keep this a green space." And so, how do you do that? Like, <clears throat> um, they had to, they had to actually cap it right with clay. And they had to do that twice, I think. Because like.
1: there's stuff under there. Yeah.
2: Oh, just down. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't remediate it, I don't think. They just capped it. I'm not exactly I don't sure know how it works. Yeah. Hey, it looks a <laughs> heck
1: of a lot better than it used to look. Yeah. <laughs>
2: but you can't build housing on it. Like, you right. couldn't build residential housing on it. Oh, but okay. you can have a park there. Um, yeah, I just think that, like, it's a little bit of a miss Was a missed opportunity because it would have been great if those groups had kind of stuck around and continued to do work in the neighborhood because, you know, that history... Would have been really beneficial for our group and for when um, the 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 schools, the DSBN, kind of rejigged how the how how it operates in this neighborhood. It would have been great if that group could have given the history of those parks and said, you know, like this is how hard we've worked on this to keep it uh, green space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would have really added to the conversation, I think, about how it's being used currently. Um, and this is something that we've heard from neighbors that uh, the new my my kids go to Harriet Tubman, and it's great. It's a, it, nice big school the staff there's fantastic the principal there is amazing and uh but the one thing the one struggle is you know how how do we use that park space so when they built the school they were nice enough to keep the school in the middle of the neighborhood rather than move it outside of the neighborhood mm-hmm. um and part of the part of the reason they were able to do that was because um the park catherine street park was 70 percent of it was given to the school for their playground right. um Least, least, Leased, leased. leased. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, right, not given to it. So it's still it's still city property, but it's leased by the DSBN. And so how do we share? The question becomes, you know, how do we share that property well with the DSBN? And the struggle is that it's not being shared well. So right now there's about like a six-foot chain link fence that goes around. You've, you've seen it, right? That yeah. goes around like mm-hmm. 70% of the property. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to share that better because what happened with that fence now is you kind of have, it almost feels like, like a little... Uh, uh, jail yards, right? Like you have the, the, the front For of the park sure. yeah, and you have the, that, yeah. then you have the uh, playground and then between the dog park and the playground, there's a, an open space where there's actually a community garden being, going in there. So a group of neighbors okay. who we kind of connected with they're they're actually going to through the city, they're actually going to put a community park there. So it just is going to make more and more sense. I think as we move forward to find a way that that space can be shared better. Yeah. And even the connectivity between St. Patrick's park and Catherine street park can be made, um, can be improved, mm-hmm. right? Like there's no crosswalk there, there's no paths that go through it. Um, the, the the school itself is experiencing congestion at certain points, and I think if we if we thought about the design of that park, it would be beneficial for everyone involved. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the projects I'm hoping to work work on on in 2020 mm-hmm. um, with all the stakeholders. So people who are in the dog park, the new community garden folks, who that garden's going to go in, our ice rinks in St. Patrick's Park, mm-hmm. um, the community center that's there. We're hoping that uh, with the feedback we've already gained and the feedback that we're going to continue to collect, that we're able to begin envisioning how we can use that space better. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we know for sure that we need is shade in the park by the by the water park. Right. And we've had conversations with um, Qantas, mm-hmm. and they've been really keen on working with us to po- to invest in that park. So we didn't want to do it piecemeal. We want to have kind of a vision say, hey, this is what we want it to look like in 10 years. So... You know, if Qantas wants to invest now, we have we can do this project, but this project is going to tie in, it's right? Good. Like yeah. we don't want to just do like here, 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 and here. It doesn't really make any sense, right? To
1: so you know, pre-plan and kind of make it all. Yeah, like
2: the yeah. plan doesn't have to be like set in stone, yeah. but it does have to. It does have to be like, hey, okay, Some we want this park. Yeah, like even even if it's as simple as saying we want this park not just to be for kids. We think it's actually healthier if the park serves young parents, kids, and the elderly. For sure. Right? Because it brings them all together in the same and spot. And like
1: you mentioned, this neighborhood is a mix of those things. Yeah, exactly.
2: Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people view parks in St. Catharines as for kids. And I think that's and that's ter- that's, I think that's a terrible no, that's way to... that's a good point. That's a very but good point. I lived yeah. in Germany for a while, and like there was like not a lot of kids in the park, but it was packed with people. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, they were designed for people, yeah, humans, not just kids.
0: Humans like green spaces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Humans like green spaces. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's so important. that's
2: an like, issue. I'm, I'm really pumped to work on this year. And yeah. I think that there's tons of potential. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Like, we're already going to get the ice rink in there in December. Uh, we're going to get that community garden in for sure. I want to get some pawpaw trees in there. And then I do want to, like, yeah, I do want to think about how we can share that soccer field uh, with the DSBN a little better. Bit better. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Um, amidst all these topics, I wanted to jump back a bit to affordable housing. I feel yeah. like um, affordable housing and homelessness and mental health and addiction are these big issues that people kind of get confused in their minds or they think one affects the other directly and maybe it's mm-hmm. a little more indirect and because what we have a lot lately in the last five six seven years is more visible uh, homeless uh, mentally mentally ill uh, drug addiction on the street we, we know these um, anecdotal reports or photos we have of needles discarded needles and such and these are these things that really trigger people mm-hmm. and get to their uh, emotions, emotional reactions. And I feel like a lot of people think that uh, if you just make things more affordable, then all the homeless people will just be able to afford houses. They will no longer be homeless. But uh, and I know this is a big issue in California. I don't know exactly how it relates to around here, but it must be somewhat similar. There's two competing ideas. Well, like, um, the one is that Affordable if you make things more affordable, this will solve the problem. But if you go and on the streets and talk to these people and, and, and see what's really going on, it's I think in California a new study came out that's like 85% of homeless are intravenous drug users, something mm. something, crazy huge. like that. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously an issue. And, and, and what are the biggest uh, uh, things that are coming along to tackle uh, drug addiction? I mean, we have the safe injection sites, um, uh, yeah, Parks, Niagara stuff like that but there's also like just general mental health is is that isn't that um a huge problem that we don't have all the resources for in the city and how are those things related is is, that's a lot to throw at you guys but like how does (laughs) that how does that yeah i
2: think yeah for me like it's they're all really interconnected uh there's a program called housing first right now works you know uh i think it's, it's, it struggles. It's a struggle because um, you have to find marketplace rentals and there's no marketplace rentals available. But the philosophy behind it is um, if you don't have housing, uh, it's going to be hard to deal with your mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who, who struggle with mental health uh, self-medicate with drugs, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was, so we had this panel um, at, at Westview Christian Fellowship on the consumption and treatment site. And, uh, when I was doing interviews for that panel, so I was just looking for people who have experience using drugs, experience using the, the, the site to come on the panel and share, right. Cause I think that their voice is the most, most important voice cause they're the ones that know. And the biggest thing that kept coming up over and over again was like, when you're on the street, you can't get off drugs cause you're on the street. Like you're, 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 you're constantly coping mm-hmm. and your, your coping mechanism already is drugs and it just doesn't work. Sure. Like it's, it's a chaotic life. There's no regularity. There's no routine. And um, and yeah, so if you provide someone house first, you know, there's the opportunity and the ability to get off drugs is far easier, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of people who take drugs who uh, can afford it, and they can they have a they have a regular schedule, they know when they're getting their drugs, and they can they can maintain that lifestyle for a long time because they have a house and because they have the money to pay for their drugs, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if you're addicted to drugs, you're struggling with mental health, you don't know when you're going to get your next um, fix. Uh, you're desperate you're 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 going to do some crazy stuff that you wouldn't do otherwise mm-hmm. um so it, i think it's crazy that we live in this uh s- such a wealthy c- society like canada mm-hmm. and we can't afford to give people like just the bare necessities bare like necessities. a roof over their head mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so like that's the philosophy between ha- be behind housing first you give someone a house and then you deal with the issues that are right. associated with, mm-hmm. with living outside every day
1: <laughs> right, right right um it i guess it's it's one of those things where it's and we mentioned my friend uh, Taylor, who's been on the show, called Shadow Taylor, um, who me and him have these conversations all the time. Of, of, and he works in the field of, of HIV, and it's, 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 there's so many variables that are going on. It's, yeah. it's not a, a black and white issue It's by not any a straight means. line, no. <laughs> there's so many different things. that we talked about trauma just before we started recording. Mm-hmm. There's diet. There's, there's so many different things. And, um, yeah, it's, just, it's very interesting. Um, the reactions and, and the, the solutions that people seem to have um, and, and the the sort of, almost anger, uh, because, you know, I guess people, you know, they see intravenous drug use as just, like, insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: people can get, people can understand having a drink or, or, you know, but there's these levels to it that get get so crazy. And then with the discarded needles, you know, people are worried about kids getting pricked in the, in the parks, yeah. of, which, sure. of course, is a worry. But I don't think studies have shown that uh, safe injection sites, you know, cause more, uh, I, I think that's just the drug use is on the rise. And, and then people litter. Mm-hmm. And all, uh, humans, just regular people litter their, you know. Yeah. So, uh, also, if you're, if you're using and you're high, I mean, there could be some sort The thing of,
2: we've learned uh, at the Queensland Round Roundtable, so we have um, the consumption and treatment site with positive living, they, they come out to every meeting, um, and we've walked with them through their journey to open their permanent site. Uh, the first thing that we learned is like they, they hand out needles, but, uh, their recovery rate's 85%. So of all the needles they hand out, the, the users are actually very, very, um, concerned about recovering those needles. Um, <clears throat> the other thing we saw in the neighborhood was once the site opened up, uh, there was less needles in the park, uh, cause every person that you can get to use inside the site, that's one less needle that you're, that there's a chance that it ends up in, in, in the park or yeah. in, in a public space. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the, one of the struggles with overdose prevention sites is that uh, people who are using drugs aren't willing, aren't interested in uh, traveling long distance to use that drug. Like when you get the drug, you just you use it. You right, don't right, think, right, right. okay, let's let's get on a bus, take like half an hour ride, because oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in Niagara Falls, and the only yeah. consumption site in Niagara is in Queenston, yeah. right? Yeah. That's not gonna happen. Um, so the, so the, they're in a perfect location, because if you look on a map, in terms of the amount of overdoses in Niagara, that's that's where the most overdoses happen. Um, but I do think that, like, we could use an overdose prevention site in Fitzgerald. Um, I think that would reduce the amount of needles in our park. Mm-hmm. And that would, like, I don't think it's fair that Queenston is the only neighborhood with one because, like, one of the reasons why the the um, you have a concentration of overdoses in that neighborhood, you know, it's a storied history, um, but I think one really easy way to tell the story is we didn't want to deal with it. So we pushed them all into one neighborhood inadvertently, like people probably didn't plan it out, but that's what happened. Yeah. Right. When, when downtown's, uh, uh, revitalization plan, you know, we don't, you don't want to see people using drugs downtown, right? That's not going to attract business. So like you, you push them away where they go, they go to Queenston, Right. And I kind of think that's like, that's totally unfair. Um, and I think that there's the other neighborhoods need to pick up the slack. Um, and I think that there are people in Fitzgerald who would, who would, lives would be saved. Yeah. Um, I was in the park uh, this summer and mm-hmm. uh, a gentleman overdosed. And, like, I don't, if you ever see someone overdose, like, they're dead mm-hmm. and then they come back to life, mm-hmm. right, when when the nanoxone kit comes. Um, and so I think, like, first, like, the overdose prevention site in Queensland has saved over 200 lives since it opened in January. And I think it would save lives in Fitzgerald, in Fitzgerald. as well. It's just for people
1: don't know. Right. It, harm, harm reduction is for saving lives. It's not... It's the primary goal is not to stop people from using, although that can sometimes happen because they get more access to uh, medical professionals Services, and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, how, how, what would you say to someone that sees on social media now, you know, a picture of a couple needles in the park and said, and then someone says, well, yeah, that's because of the safe injection sites. Like, what is it? Do you, do you just show them the studies? How, 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 what would your argument be? That, well, so. I
2: mean, obviously, it's not because of the safe injection site, because if they would have used a safe injection site, the needle wouldn't be there, right?
1: So, it's someone that's not using... It's not that 50%... It's, it's actually... Not, like,
2: I, I, would I say to them, it's actually the needle's there because there aren't enough safe injection sites. Right, right, yeah. right. That just shows... The needle in the park shows that there needs to be another one in this area.
1: And I guess to reverse engineer their brain, you could say, I mean, there's a lot of more social media now than there... You know, there's probably... Exposure
0: of it, yeah. Po- exposure There's yeah.
1: probably... Um, I'm sort of just guessing, but I th- I, I'm pretty sure drug use is just generally on the rise so, so maybe well they're
2: different drugs too so like when, when we talk to uh friends who i know who've worked in the in the um field like even ten years ago, it was a lot of like the homeless population were a lot of alcoholics. Like the alcohol was kind of the drug of choice, right, and they were an right. older, changes. an older crowd. Now it's a younger crowd of people, yeah. and they're using opioids. And like this is a dangerous, dangerous drug. It's not yeah. like it used to be. Like and this it's is something not that you just
1: Nagra, although we do have a huge problem. Oh no, it's but not it's, just Niagara. Is, oh no, uh, and North it's America, but it's also global. You talk about and fentanyl, it, China and all that. Yeah, and it's, it's
2: these order. drugs being mixed in with other drugs, right? Like, yeah. um, and you can die really quickly on this stuff. Like it's not like. Yeah. It's different. It's 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 dangerous. It's It's different. It's a younger population of users and it's sad. Like there's no, there's no reason why all of these young kids need to be self-medicating with drugs. Like there's no reason why we can't create the conditions where, uh, in our society where they can find other ways to, to, to deal with whatever they're dealing with, whether it's trauma or mental health or, uh, we heard from, um, a woman at the, the, uh, the panel that I hosted who said, you know, her and her sister uh, were raised in the same, same family they experienced the same trauma she decided to deal with that trauma um with work and her sister decided to deal with the trauma with drugs and her sister's not with us anymore Mm -hmm. so like they just chose different drugs Mm -hmm. (laughs) one was more deadly
1: Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah sad it is sad yeah and uh yeah it's obviously a a multi-pronged issue a multi-pronged approach to solving these kind of things but they're definitely interconnected yeah oh yeah absolutely Um, yeah, layers. yeah.
2: Housing, safe injection sites, uh, more support for met- for people struggling with mental health. Um, and just a, just sites. a note
1: to any, the people who would say they're fiscally conservative or they they, they there's too many of these services and whatnot. They, you got to think about pre preemptive solutions that down the line save you money. Mm-hmm. As if you want the economy to to, to be austere or whatnot, there's certain things that if you invest, you know, now they'll be cheaper down the road or or stopping uh, yeah, HIV and, spread. And, and dealing and with that. mental health and, and addiction, though,
2: I, I think is, you know, less is less expensive than dealing with a lot of things that are created by enterprise. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it's expensive to deal with uh, problems that come up yeah. because of uh, kids were playing on contaminated fields right, uh right, right. because the only thing that people can can purchase are, are foods sh- loaded with sugar and uh are unhealthy for you like that's expensive too smoking is yeah. expensive alcohol is crazy expensive even if you're not uh, an alcoholic like the amount yeah. of money we pour into um health care that's associated yes. with with yes. stuff yes. that's just yes. dealing with el- with 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 the effects of alcohol yep. right like yeah yep. I think the that cost like, in our the healthcare system is massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that that drug users stigmatized the way that they are is is uh, unfortunate and wrong. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that about the, the United States system healthcare system too. That like there's a lot of there's a lot of over testing. There's a lot of over burden on the system from yeah. people just with general ailments that they could solve by exercise, diet, and simple simple things. Yeah. So complex yeah. issue, but a little somber, but. Switching gears, <laughs> is there what's next for the Fitz? What what events are coming up? That if anyone's around the neighborhood, they can yeah, lots of events coming up. The yeah.
0: coming up. We have Fitzmas coming up. Merry Fitzmas. Ice so, rinks going in. Yeah, we have the ice, ice rink coming in. So yeah, the Fitzmas party is just a holiday social we have at the uh, Imperial Vets. um uh, legion i don't know if it's, yeah. the center. Well, it's
2: both it's legion and it's
0: yeah uh... imperial vets is upstairs the legion. <laughs> yeah. and so that's coming up that's exciting we had the ice rink happening so that's going to be happening in st patrick's park we're really really pumped about that we've been advocating with the city yeah. for a few years to make that happen so that's really yeah. gonna Fingers be awesome crossed for
2: weather like i'm a little Fingers bit like crossed. worried that you know what if we get like three or four skates on it I, this year i will be like overjoyed for sure yeah. <laughs> um it was, we have a really really cool story especially with it, though we had uh i've been working to get our Fitzgerald has been open working to get an ice rink in there for three years. And uh, then when the, the city created this pilot project, which is great, I just want to, I can't praise him enough for that, uh, there were two people who applied, me and someone else. And I'm like, who the <laughs> heck is applying in this park? I've been trying to do this for three years. What are you? And I was like, yeah, kind of like, you're on know, my up. turf. Back <laughs> off. But it turns out she's like super nice. She said like her father passed away the last year and he used to create an ice rink in Kernahan Park. Which is a public space, you know, interesting. You know, I could argue with the city that, you know, this has been going on for years. Why is it such a problem now? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> will like, into that. Yeah, <laughs> she's got a cottage where they have this Easy Ice, whole ice rink contraption. System. system. Oh, okay. And she's like, I'm just going to bring it for my cottage because we don't use it anymore and we can put it in the park. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like the plastic. It's like a $1,000 system, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah,
0: we've partnered with her. Cool. And we're gonna get this. It's gonna be up and oh yeah, point. it's
2: gonna be a question of how we get water on the rink. So if there are neighbors who live close to St. Patrick's Park, I want okay. to talk to you. If
0: you're listening, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> let's get so some li- water. Yeah, on the live ice. along Terry Fox Trail. Let's talk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. so that's happening, which is gonna be great. And then uh, also, yeah. So 2020, we're doing some of the um, park planning. We're going, going to be doing some, some um, public art, some murals yeah. oh, are yeah, going to be, be awesome. happening uh, in the fits where we're really, really excited about that. So cool. that's happening in some private properties. Potentially some public uh, property. And we're celebrating see.
2: new business in the Fitz?
0: Yeah, a new business is starting up. A new restaurant is opening on Russell Ave, so that's exciting. And yeah. uh, the other thing that we'll just put a shout out. That's I don't know if this is going to go out in time uh, for the Better Cities Film Festival right. that's happening. That's happening this weekend Saturday. on Saturday. <sighs> and uh, that we're really, really. Um, it's just it just shows to me and it speaks to the change of culture within. Um, St. Catharines within Niagara an appetite for this so it's a film festival focusing on how do we make better neighborhoods how do we make strong neighborhoods um, and kind of highlighting some really cool initiatives happening um, across Canada I think and I don't know the the films are from all over the place yeah
2: so there's like a series of short films that are just people sharing kind of the different project that they've done in for their sure. neighborhood yeah. Yeah. to improve it. So, so shout out to Kaylin. To yeah.
0: She uh, is one of our uh, all-star volunteers. She works for, her, she
2: works
0: she for Better for Neighbors. Better Neighbors. Okay. Um, yeah. And so she's kind of the champion behind this film festival. So really excited for that. So that's coming up.
2: Community Garden. So they're, Community
0: Garden is happening in 2020.
2: I think we've got, gotten approval from the city to put it in. Sure, I can't remember, what, <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> where it's going, but yeah. it sounds like it's gonna happen. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. like, I can say with confidence that it's cool. probably gonna happen. It's gonna be right beside the dog park. Yeah, I'm not sure how many plots are gonna start with, but they're hoping to have some fruit trees there as well to celebrate, yeah. you know, Niagara and its yeah. tender fruit.
0: Yeah, so we'll be doing that, and uh, yeah, again, we'll be doing we'll have our annual Great Fits garage sale that's yeah. happening this year. We're kind of putting a new twist on it, which we're excited about, we're putting a kind of a maker's market. Kind of idea so if you are an artisan that you make cool things um we're gonna there is an do you know the instagram account on that i think
1: it's the the great fits is it just uh, the great yeah, that could like be that. yeah. Uh, so yeah find it, kind of, it, find it, it spring online or summer is that to, <laughs> so happening in the summer in so, june
0: i believe it okay. is uh june 6th june 6th um previous to that we'll easter be having hunt. the easter egg hunt mm-hmm. so this will be our fourth year uh doing our easter egg hunt at catherine street park and that's how things all got started back in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Cool. So that was very cool. So yeah, we're excited to have that happening. So yeah, yeah lots of the things running happening the Fitz.
2: There's uh Fitz Rocks. So
1: yeah, the running crews every Tuesday night, right? Yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. Yep. Cool. There's a lot going on, and if people want to know more about what's going on, what are the what's the socials and the website that they can <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
0: Fitzgerald, Neighbors dot mm-hmm. C-A? CA?
1: If you just Google it,
0: it'll come just up Google too. it. Uh, we don't and... update the
2: website. Oh, I don't. Do we update the website a lot? We do. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: It looks pretty up to date. There mean, you a couple <laughs> of things you can throw on
0: there, but. <laughs> and we know what? And again, shout out to Jesse. Uh, and we have a new kind of crew. Yeah, doing collective that's going to be doing a lot more communications. Derek, you're one of those key, Yes, yeah, I key need volunteers. to jump back in the conversation because Absolutely. I've had a crazy
1: couple months, yeah. and I'll jump back on and see <laughs> at what capacity I can... So uh, we're excited because uh, we're well.
0: going to be setting out uh, newsletters. Are gonna, uh, we're going to start sending out a quarterly newsletter, so look out for that. More blog posts and kind of opportunities for you to engage online. Mm-hmm. Um, find us on Instagram, Facebook, Fitzgerald Neighbors um, is our handle, and um, yeah, we're really... We most if you want to find out about us, um, our Instagram and Facebook is kind of the place to go. Well, today, today. Yeah, so, and then come out uh, to yeah. meetings. So we meet the first yeah. Thursday
2: of every month at um, Maestro's Pizza mm-hmm. Pizzeria. Yeah.
0: yeah, so Maestro's first Thursday, eight o'clock. Yeah, um, and it's just a yeah, it's an opportunity for everyone to kind of yeah
2: we get some we got a decent amount of business done, uh, but we're always open to new people coming out and chatting, and yeah. uh, we try to make as much space as we can just to have those informal conversations where. Yeah, we welcome new neighbors, and we tell them what we're about, and uh, we, we just kind of tell them, you know, like, whatever skills you bring to the table, we want we want to engage yeah. them. And, you know, you're, you're sure. a DJ, and you played it at our For AGM. sure,
0: man. Absolutely. And the last <laughs> thing I will mention is that we're also engaging around bullying and ex- right. um, making our neighborhood as oh, yeah. inclusive as possible. So, so, so that we... bullies
1: can be included as well. Right. Bullies right. can be included
0: right. as well. Um, but so yeah, so Caleb is actually working with the DSBN,
2: um, one of the DSBN school trustees
0: to do kind of a bullying workshop and cool. parenting workshop. Yeah.
2: It's kind of the idea is it's very early days, but the idea is to have a workshop for parents how to, how to parent, uh, I don't know how to say it. How to parent, to, not bully? bullies. <laughs> a kid that's getting bullied. No, or the other <laughs> way around. Just like how to parent so your child is less likely to become a bully. For sure. Right. For <laughs> sure, yeah. And understand the issues around bullying and, uh.
1: You know, like how to recognize it, how to how it starts, how to recognize it, or, how yeah. it starts,
2: and just it's strategies to um, help your child who is a bully, um, and I suppose like the other way around too. Strategies on how to help a child who is being bullied. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No more victims. I think yeah. that's that's the that's the key.
0: And so we're doing that as well as um, working to get a rainbow crosswalk uh, yeah. around Harriet oh, yes. uh, Tubman. So I'm meeting with the LGBTQ plus uh, two committee on December eighth, I think. Um, so we're going to be talking about how we can get that. Yeah, I'm fence. not opposed to so, painting
2: it too without any permission. Just yeah. going out and painting the street. <laughs> yeah, you know. we're going to see what <laughs> sure. they, they
0: say. They are quoting me at six thousand dollars to get a crosswalk. So you might be able to do it for cheaper. We'll oh see. yeah, I can do it for cheaper. So yeah, I've we'll got some paint somewhere. So anyway, so we're going to be t- we're engaging in that conversation as well and cool. uh, how to make our neighborhood inclusive. Uh, victim free does that no more victims no more victims it's basically
1: gonna be a utopia
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, cheap housing housing, uh, no bullying uh,
2: (laughs) very diverse walkable it'll be yeah your plan
0: absolutely we can do that
1: well guys i want to thank you again for coming on the podcast it was very informative and we'll see you guys we'll see you guys next time fitzgerald neighbors google it thanks